Good evening to one and all here tonight and to those joining with us on our podcast service. Welcome to the House of God here at Christian Outreach Centre Charters Towers. You are all very, very welcome. And it's wonderful to come together to worship, to fellowship and to, to sit under the word. And uh, many times I've asked people how they're going and they go and uh, say, how you going, mate? And they say, pretty good under the circumstances. And that's a quite a, a common answer, isn't it? And... Uh, and, uh, but pretty good under the circumstances will often be their response. And, but we're not called uh, to be under the circumstances, but we're called to dictate the circumstances. And that's part of taking our dominion. That's part of our job description to do that. But if you and I are going to be under anything in life, we should be under the word of God. Amen? Yeah, that's the only thing. And uh, that we will have life and life more abundantly, as Jesus said in John 10.10. 10. But... Uh, the title of my message tonight is Born Again and Born to Win. It's a great title, isn't it? Born Again and Born to Win. And I'd love for us, if you would, let's go to John and chapter 3. And uh, these are great scriptures. It's a fantastic chapter. Out of this chapter comes, of course, John 3.16, probably the most well-known verse of all the Bible. But I'm just going to begin to read a few verses here out of John chapter 3. And it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Verse 5, Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. What's great verses they are. And so to paraphrase the beginning of chapter 3, we find that Jesus, during the course of the night, was sought out by a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews by the name of Nicodemus. And uh, he says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And so here we see that Nicodemus is described very early in this chapter as a Pharisee. Not all the Pharisees were hypocrites, you know. There were some great God-seeking men there and women uh, amongst all the Pharisees in their families. And, uh, but he's described as an elder, a teacher in Israel, and he, <coughs> and he comes across throughout Scripture as a very sincere seeker of truth. And there were many like that. A religious man, you would say. Nicodemus described throughout Scripture as a moral man. And yet Jesus saw plainly his profound spiritual blindness. Isn't that amazing? Within religious circles, people who know all about God but do not know God. Jesus cuts to the quick of the conversation to this good man, Nicodemus, 
And he completely ignores his comments and says, unless one is born again, in the Greek it also means born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Is there anything ambiguous about the word cannot? Cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Jesus here explained to Nicodemus, a teacher in Israel, that we all experience a natural birth, but if we expect to enter heaven, we must experience a spiritual birth. Often uh, terms often used for this glorious experience, when someone is said to come to faith, we say that they're born again, and, uh, or they're born from above. Many, many other terms are used, born anew, born of the Spirit, born of God, and many other terms likewise are used. And they come to reference or mean to a coming to faith, a conversion experience, uh, not just a theory, uh, but a revelation of the person of Jesus Christ. Having placed your faith in Jesus, a person becomes a new creation when they're born again. Why? Because you've come to place your faith in Jesus. And the result is that you're now a, a new species of God's creation when somebody is born again. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, said 2 Corinthians 5.17. But often we come, and many people come here, and they're seeking something. And so people being engaged in religious discussions, and... Uh, they'll quickly refer to their spiritual heritage. They said, parents were Anglicans. Well, my parents used to come to this church many decades ago. I have a Baptist foundation, or my auntie was a nun, or something like that, well, people will say. They may reference a denomination, a church membership, perhaps. They'll talk about where they were baptised. Perhaps they'll talk about a confirmation and an old prayer book that the family has passed through the family, etc., etc., etc. The list is numerous. And church attendance, where they perhaps have changed or turned up to church from time to time. And in other words, these are my spiritual credentials, they may say. Some people will bring out an old family Bible. It could be a hundred years old and they've got all the family lineage in there. And so... Uh, and other times when you're talking about people's religious credentials, for want of a better word, they'll say that I've been helping in the soup kitchen and somehow they see their salvation because it's such a lovely deed to help their brothers and sisters and the more impoverished the people they help, the better we feel about ourselves. That's true, isn't it? They're so down and out and oh, I was helping them out. But in fact, everything can and will come into the conversation Accept the name of Jesus. Isn't that extraordinary? The name of Jesus in those conversations with people had a gentleman come in here the other day talking about this and talking about that, but never mentioned the name of Jesus. But this born again or born from above, we see that's written in red in the Bible in John chapter 3. It's not an evangelical term. It's not a Pentecostal term. It's not a denominational term. It's a Bible term. Isn't that extraordinary? They think, oh, well, that's just for those fanatical people. They use that term. But no, it's not. It's a Jesus term. And being born again or being a born again Christian is what the Bible calls what Jesus calls is a Christian. Isn't that extraordinary? 
Nicodemus's immediate response, he responds with reason. You see, he come to Jesus, oh, you must be a man from God because of da-da-da-da-da-da. And Jesus says, unless one is born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus cuts to the chase. And so, uh, and Nicodemus responds with reason. He comes back with his intellect. He comes back with his teaching. And it's of the flesh or from the natural man's perspective. He says, can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the womb a second time and be born? In other words, he's coming straight back with an uh, through his reason of use or through just through reason. Sometimes I've noticed we've had some tremendous meetings here now. And one minute after the meeting, people are talking about their health and they're talking about this and they've left already their spiritual experience and going straight back to the realm of the flesh. Jesus immediately responds with the spirit again, not coming out of it, but entering into the kingdom of God is by being born again. In verse 6, Jesus said, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. What we're talking about here is two different kingdoms. There is a natural world, we've got natural senses, and there is a spiritual world, confirming the law of Genesis that every seed produces after its own kind. In other words, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And then he goes again in verse 7, Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. Three times Jesus uses this terminology. No, it's not Pentecostal terminology. No, it's not evangelical. This is Jesus' terminology. It's written in red. And so we contrast this with the Apostle Paul. He clearly states in Romans 8.1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh. You see, Nicodemus is walking in the flesh. He's reasoning with the flesh. But according to the Spirit, verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. You see, Nicodemus and Jesus himself were born under the law. They were born under the law. And Jesus was trying to set Nicodemus free from his old uh, mentality and bring him into a new life and the realm of the spirit. The difference between perishing and living, condemnation and salvation, spoken of here by Paul, is faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus was trying to bring Nicodemus from faith in religion, faith in his morals, faith in being a good bloke, to becoming a spiritual man. And, uh, and Jesus became the uplifted serpent. He became the uplifted bronze image in the wilderness, which brought physical life to those dying in the wilderness. But Jesus Christ gives eternal life to anyone who trusts in him. So my question is to you today is, will you look to Jesus and will you do it now? You can do it tonight. For those listening online, Nicodemus was a, at this time, he was a, he was a man of the flesh. The natural man draws from the assumptions of religion, of reason, of logic, of intellect, of education and learning. Nicodemus was all these things. Many people come in here and they are filled with these things. His statements and responses are entirely 
from the natural perspective of man, but they are a strength, whether they be a strength or whether they be a weakness, they are still a natural perspective. Jesus, on the other hand, is a man of the Spirit, born literally by the Spirit of the living God, subjects his own reason. See, a person of the Spirit subjects his reason, he subjects his logic, intellect and learning to a life in the Spirit. Amen? A person in the Spirit doesn't mean that they, uh, they negate all these things. No, but they, they make these, their intellect subject to a life of the Spirit. The faculties of reason, logic, intellect and learning are not absent, but on the contrary are quickened and elevated when subject to the man of the spirit or the spirit of man. Amen? And so learning, when, when you have become a, a born again of your spirit, uh, born again, uh, actually learning becomes easier. Intellect is expanded. When uh, your logic is clarified and clear and reason is unobstructed and pure. Isn't that true? When you came to Christ, you didn't put aside your intellect. You didn't go and get a full frontal lobotomy, did you? No, you didn't. You didn't. But you subjected your spiritual, you subjected the natural mind to the things of the spirit. And what you found was that your intellect was sharpened. Your reasoning became reasonable and uh, a person not deceived by surface realities or incumbent to the senses, such as the man or woman, boy or girl in the spirit. Amen. I have found since I became born again that my memory increased exponentially. My reasoning powers were unclouded by ungodly biases. My mind became clear and open to the things of God. And I have found that I, none of my reasoning powers were diminished by being subject to the Spirit. In fact, it was the opposite. They were incredibly enhanced. A person of the Spirit has tremendous wisdom. Intellect and wisdom are not the same. Wisdom from above and uh, intellect is different. The spiritual man that is, is not against reason... He merely operates above reason. Isn't that true? And thus you and I are born again to the spirit of the living God and we become the pinnacle of God's creation in Christ Jesus. Now we become the pinnacle of God's creation. When we were born just a, just a natural person, having no revelation of Jesus Christ, we were not at that time the pinnacle of God's creation. No, we were not. A thousand times no. It's when we became a new creation in Christ Jesus that we became the pinnacle of God's creation. So in verse 9 we see Nicodemus, the man of the flesh, yet he was a man pursuing truth. A man to whom the life of the Spirit, not yet revealed, responds accordingly. He says... How can these things be? He's trying to reason out in his noodle, just in his mind, his unregenerated mind. An unregenerated mind is not able to come to God. An unregenerated man cannot understand the things of God. The Bible says, nor indeed can he. It is only a regenerated spiritual man who is able to apprehend the things of God. So Jesus, the man of the Spirit, goes on to reveal prophetically that the Son of Man, speaking of himself, 
would be lifted up as Moses lifted up the bronze serpent in the wilderness. And uh, I'll, I'll just go here right now and I'll skip a few verses. And he goes in verse 14. He is still speaking to the man Nicodemus. And he said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, Nicodemus knew this was written in numbers. He had full knowledge of the scripture. He said, even so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. And so in Numbers 21, I'll paraphrase uh, half a chapter there. The people had spoken against God in the wilderness experience. God responded and sent fiery serpents among the people. And when the people realized this, their sin, Moses, under God's instruction, made a bronze serpent and raised it up on a pole. And whoever looked at the bronze serpent lived and was healed physically. How did, why did Jesus uh, paint that picture or remind Nicodemus of that story? In the Roman world, uh, in the day in which they lived at that time, uh, there was no imagination required when Jesus referred to uh, uh, being lifted up. There was a, everybody knew what being lifted up meant. It meant crucifixion, which is the Roman instrument of death and torture that thousands upon thousands of people died. It was a regular occurrence in that day. Verse 15, Jesus declared to Nicodemus that whoever believes in the Son of Man, Jesus the man, would be lifted up upon that cross, they would have eternal life. And so, and so Jesus was saying, as they looked to that fiery serpent, in the, that bronze serpent in the wilderness, as it was lifted up in the wilderness, even so people would spiritually be born again when they look up to Jesus being lifted up on a cross. This was incomprehensible to the man named Nicodemus. And so the method, the cross, the motive was the love of God and the cost to the God of all creation is clearly stated in one sentence. That whoever believes in him should not die but perish but have eternal life for God so loved. There's the motive. The world that he gave his only begotten son. There is the method. And whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so it is there. And so Jesus was lifted up on the cross and whoever would look to Jesus would have eternal life. Have you looked to Jesus today for eternal life? So many people come through these doors. A young man just only a couple of weeks ago talked about religious things, talked about, tried to talk about profound things, but never once was the name of Jesus mentioned. He'd never looked to Jesus Lifted up on that cross. But the response left Nicodemus without recourse, without reply. And in today's language, he would say, Nico, you got nothing, mate. Nico was left speechless. He had nothing more to say. And I have found in all the, uh, the debates that they tried to engage Jesus in, 
people are just left around him speechless. Jesus could have said to most of them, you've got nothing, have you? You've got nothing, mate. You've got nothing to give. They had no recourse. Because Jesus John in John 14, 6 said later, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father except through me. Unless you look up to Jesus, high and lifted up, amen? Unless you look to Jesus. And so... There is life and life eternal, and it is only found in believing in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Moses lifted up that bronze serpent, and they were physically saved. Jesus was lifted up on that old drugged cross, and we will, when we look to Jesus, we are eternally saved. How glorious is this? Eternal salvation for some people listening online is only a matter for you today to look to Jesus. Repent of your sin, look to Jesus and receive him today and your life too can be gloriously saved. Oh, it's a, good, it's a good message. Every facet of the community is challenged by this gospel message and it's an affront to every culture on the face of the earth. Many people will say, I've got my culture and this and that, but Jesus' culture is an affront to everything on the earth, amen, bar none. It doesn't take sides. The gospel message conquers the rebellion of the human heart without the lifting of the sword. In other words, the gates of hell will not prevail against the armies of the Lord. The gates of hell will not prevail against the message of the cross because it is a sword of the spirit and not a sword of the flesh. And its motivation is love, not to conquer anybody, but only to conquer their heart. Oh, it's a good message. The gospel message does not renovate your life. You see, that's what, uh, that's what uh, Nicodemus was needing. He didn't need a renovated life. He did not need a rehabilitated life. He did not need to nurture his old life back to a former state. There is only one place for your old life, and that is the cross itself, Amen. As we uh, are like in our own life, our old life, crucified, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Amen? Our life crucified with Christ. And so the cross is an instrument of death for our old nature, that you and I would become new creations in Christ Jesus. The old life too is placed on that cross, put to death so that resurrection life may come. Oh, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'd like to reflect on a very short story here just before I close this evening. On January the 6th, 1850, there was a snowstorm almost crippling the city of Colchester in England. A teenage boy was unable to get to the church he usually attended, so he made his way to what is called a nearby Primitive Methodist Chapel. Isn't it amazing? When you have a move of God, those new moves of God are always called primitive. They're called grassroots moves of God, aren't they? Why? Because they're back to the Bible. Anything, um, one move from God, you've moved too far, I have found. And so he made his way to a nearby primitive Methodist chapel and an ill-prepared layman was substituted for the absent preacher. His text was 
Isaiah 45, 22. Look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth. Look unto me. Jesus is still saying, look unto me. Look unto me. How simple is this gospel message? For many months, the young teenager had been miserable under deep conviction. But though he had been reared in a church, both his father and grandfather were preachers. Oh, there was his credentials. How many people have people in their family and they were preachers and ministers and this and that? He did not have any assurance of salvation. The unprepared substitute minister didn't have much to say. But he kept repeating this text. A man need not go to college to learn to look. He shouted, anyone can look. Look unto me, Jesus says. Anybody can look. A child can look. About that time, he saw the visitor sitting to one side. And he pointed at him and said, young man, you look very miserable. Young man, look to Jesus Christ. The young man did look by faith. And that was how the great preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, was converted. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. This is mentioned in the beginning of the Gospel of John. There's another, I don't know, 17, 18 chapters after this particular chapter. But there is the Gospel message. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Most assuredly, I'll read a couple of these verses here before I close as Jules just comes to the keys. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 5, Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water, that's the natural birth. And the spirit, that's the spiritual birth. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Verse 7, Jesus said, do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. In closing right now, if you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray, look to Jesus right now. It says, for whoever believes in him, this is what Jesus said of himself. Whoever, are you one of the whoever's tonight? There's people listening online and you've never made this decision. The Bible says, Jesus says. Not religion, not denomination, nothing like that. But this is what Jesus says. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, the convicting power of the Holy Ghost come upon people, Lord, listening online. I pray in Jesus' name, people would turn to you. And as that serpent was lifted up in the wilderness and they were physically saved, I pray that as people look up to you on that cross right now and the resurrected Christ, Father God, that people would fix their eyes upon you, that they would be gloriously born again of the Spirit of the living God as you promised. Whoever looks to you, Father God, would be gloriously saved. I pray, Lord, 
this spiritual transaction is incurring in hearts this very night, Lord. As people receive your word, as it truly always was and is and is to come, the word of God. I pray, Father, salvation has come tonight. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.